Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're taking another look at fun. We say another because the last time we focused on this topic was in episode four, my first episode. So how have our views on fun changed over the last three years? Wow, three years, you say? That is three complete revolutions around our parents' son. And think about it, we're all made of stardust, every atom in your body. That is a very meaningful milestone for sure. Way better than 150 episodes. Uh, wait, who are you? Ah, it's Josh, back from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't tell from this wonderful accent. It's Josh, our token Brit. He's back, he's back. And I must say, actually... Uh, you know, Fletcher, I haven't heard your velvety voice before, but I feel like you need your own <laughs> ASMR uh, like stream or something like that. That voice is a voice for radio. It's just so velvety smooth. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought, too. But he's not actually good on the talent side. So he just has the voice. <laughs> Classic Chris. It's, it's kind of a mess. Everything I say is scripted, even <laughs> off the cuff stuff. I'm just a great planner. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly how that works. No, this is our 156 episode. And for those who have listened for 156 episodes, you know that Josh and I had a little bit of a debate around episode 100, I believe, and 50. Yeah. I think no, it started 50 with 100. 50. It started yeah, yeah, with 50 so. versus 52, which is the bigger milestone. Yeah. So, I don't remember weighing in. Well, since I do the notes, uh, 51, and then, well, that's actually be kind of funny. If we compromise, it'd be 51, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. But 50 was declared the winner. 50 was declared the winner, yes. uh, which is actually kind of funny because that goes to another joke. Uh, too many things to talk about. But anyway, so episode 100 comes around and we didn't do 104. But this time, 156, I wanted to talk about fun. And I'm like, what better episode to bring Josh on? Than to talk about fun because Josh is fun because he's a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have heard something so insincere in my life. I'm the guy ever. <laughs> if we wonder why Josh doesn't talk to us anymore, sorry, Josh. So, Christopher Dong wrote us about this, like this very specific thing on 150 because we were taking questions. And he's like, a special giveaway for episode 150? Huh? Not in episode 156? I remember being on the losing end of this argument, which was more meaningful, 50 or 52. It is not that after further review, with no Brits involved, you have been seen the flaw of your earlier reasoning, and my position on 50 is clearly correct. So, true... With no Brits involved, we did do 150, which was correct. But we brought back the Brit to make the 156 work right. Yeah, loving it. I think this is really <laughs> following our pattern of we just really celebrate both. Yes. I mean, really, it's like a, having a birthday month, right? Yeah, I think it's really funny because actually the number of weeks doesn't end up being like the same date. Because if I'm looking here... I guess I always think of it as episode four is the real spiritual start of this podcast. <laughs> so I think of it as being more in September oh, than sure, August. Sure. But I guess maybe no, it, it is. Was, yeah, it was basically the week after Gen Con. And we are now the week after Gen Con. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't subscribe to numerology. So <laughs> all the, there's just numbers to me. Um, I will say we forgot one thing. Because we didn't do it first. But we should have. Because as always... We would like to thank our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC, and welcome to our newest patron, Neil McLaughlin. I think I said that right. Ooh. I was I was going to say McLaughlin, but there's no GL in there, but I think it's McLaughlin. 
I'm just patting myself on the back because you guys are all staring at me funny. <laughs> I think we're all staring yeah, at the show said, notes you said trying to name read. correctly. Good job. <laughs> for once in your life, Chris. I was so excited for it. It wasn't like it was Brian Smith or something. Do we have a Brian Smith? We should get one. If you're no, it was Neil McLaughlin. <laughs> one of the toughest names to pronounce. <laughs> Welcome, Neil. Also, if there's a Brian Smith out there, please patron us. Um, also, speaking of patron, so Kitty and I do the Dice Tower News, as we've said probably way too much. And this week, we I don't know if we were more slap happy than usual, but it just seemed like things were more off the rails than usual. So We, we did dis- a very bad job, but in a really <laughs> funny way. So we posted the unedited audio on Patreon. So if you want to listen to a 15-minute podcast and have it take 25 minutes of awkward silences and us repeating the same things over and over and trying to figure out how to say things, um, you can Chris find it on Patreon. scuttle several times. It had an exclamation mark. So It's I was hard trying- when you're reading a title of a game and it has an exclamation part, a mark. Oh, my goodness. This one's yeah. going off the rails too. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> but so, so the 51 versus 51, one of the things that we were doing, and I don't think it came across because I ended up listening to this episode, the DTN episode, and um, there was one part in the show notes where it's like, and the winner was, or, oh no, and then no, you, you win said when to this win, and you typed yeah. when, W H E N, and I just knew because I've been reading the Dice Star News notes for so long that when Chris types when, he meant win, because he's from Michigan and they're the same sounding there, I guess. I said I the right one, though, but we... <laughs> we have a new winner. <laughs> uh, I dislike you all, but you are my bestest friend, so I guess I have no choice but to do... Yeah, another... the, more, the more hosts you get on here, the better it is for us to gang up on you. Fine, fine. Be that way. So let's see. Josh, you remember episode four, right? Well, not intuitively and in its full detail, but I do, you know, remember the the cliff notes of it. <laughs> I also Luckily, took cliff notes. Chris wrote notes for us here. <laughs> he scrolled I down. Can see them. I can We've see got a them. They're nice wonderful. cheat sheet here. So I listen because I rarely go back and listen to old episodes because. It's number one, it's just weird listening to your own voice. Number two, you are already in that conversation. But for this one, I'm like, all right, it's been three years, like literally three years. And I'm wondering what were our takes on fun three years ago and what are our takes now? And then Fletcher, we don't know what Fletcher finds fun. Um, I, Does he something even like I'm fun? <laughs> so I was like, Grumpy Cat, I had fun once. It was terrible. <laughs> Reminds me yes. of the name of our trivia team. <laughs> Kitty Hates Fun. Grumpy Cat? <laughs> no, our trivia team was named Kitty Hates Fun. Oh, Spencer that's named true. it. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, and after three years, our idea, so it was, what are fun, what, what do we find fun in games? And who we were three years ago versus where we've come in our gaming lives now, I, I figure it's kind of an interesting thing to look back. Because we always talk about how you kind of grow out of certain games or, you know, something that was fun, it's not really... You're done. You're over with it. So I'm wondering if that works on a more general level. Um, and then Sydney actually mentioned, she's like, you should do an episode on what makes a game memorable. So we're going to kind of mix that in here as well, because I think something doesn't necessarily have to be fun to be memorable. Um, you can have very memorable, unfun moments. <laughs> <laughs> and we all have. And we all have. But I figure it's still probably a good place to put it. So we'll we'll sneak those in there 
every once in a while as as well. So I'm just going to back when Kitty came in and we had a three person show. So the first three episodes was Josh and I talking back and forth or more me just talking to Josh. Um, <laughs> if you say about so. games talking and, at Josh, yeah, maybe t- talking at Josh, uh, he would ask questions sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when we got to three people, I'm like, okay, how do we do this? So I was actually sort of interviewing you guys for the first few episodes just to make sure everyone had a place to talk. I stopped doing that because I found that it cuts into my talking time. So I just, I don't <laughs> ask questions. And this is really just happens. all about you. <laughs> yeah, let me just say it. So we're going to do interview time. And I'm going to say, Fletcher, what is, what, what is fun in a game for you? Like, what do you find fun about games? Or what, do you, what does a game have to have for you to have fun with it? Uh... Answer any one of those eight questions, quick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I guess is the honest answer. I know it when I see it. Or I know it when I experience it. So I, I suppose there's tropes or mechanics or types of games that I typically might find fun, like more often than not. But I mean, I've surprised myself with other stuff that, you know, I wouldn't think would be fun. And then it actually turns out to be fun. So, I mean, the real answer is I don't know. I haven't, I haven't gone and categorized everything that is fun for Fletcher. I liked that you put the uh, I don't I know it when I see it but I, I can't, you know, give the essence to you. It's kind of like the art critic of the board game world. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I so I don't know. <laughs> well, that's let's see if we can't enlighten you on what fun is. Maybe. There's nothing more fun than really nailing down a definition for what's fun. <laughs> I think these things are interesting to I look love at. having these conversations. <laughs> I just like razzing you more. <laughs> so Merriam-Webster, Mer- Mer- the really only true dictionary. <laughs> the real dictionary. That yeah. Oxford junk. Yeah, none of that Oxford dictionary. How very anyway. you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it defines fun as what provides amusement or enjoyment, specifically playful, often boisterous action or speech. So that works for me. Yeah. yeah. So that's what's fun is that's uh, call it a wrap, guys. Back it up. <laughs> so I'm going to welcome to dictionary talk. <laughs> Define words. So I'm going to give it an antidote when I was working for, when I was writing video games, um, there was a boss of mine who wasn't very good, but uh, he was under the impression that when we made a game that was fun, because we used to do like small, like touchscreen games. So, you know, usually did a new game every four weeks or so. And when we made a game that was fun, you could actually find the code. You could look at the source code and say, okay, that was the fun in it. And we're just going to use that same code for the next game. And that's how we're going to. And he said it in all seriousness. It's like, well, why don't you just find the fun from the last game and put it in this one? (laughs) (laughs) And we all just kind of looked at him and said, okay, all right, I, I, Okay. So, like I say, not a very good boss. But um, fun is hard to define. It It is. Josh, you did not... I mean, you're looking at the, the cliff notes here, but what you have... You haven't played a, a, like a heavy board game in a while, I'm assuming. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's been very casual since you last spoke to me. So, in the last year or so... What has what have you found the most fun out of games you play? Like, what do you target for types of games, and you, how do you get the fun out yeah. of those games? 
No, I hear you. And and really, it, for me, it really does come down to that social interaction the most out of any other element. Um, and, you know, I've even sort of reflectively looked back on other board game experiences I had, you know, but when I was still on the podcast and sometimes really heady games and really strategic games, I feel like there so it's because, you know, people are really into solving that puzzle and doing that strategy and like winning the game. Um, and for me, it feels like that's kind of getting in the way of a lot of social interaction. Like if I went around your house and, and played a sort of a 4X uh, Star Trek game or something, I'd probably catch up with you less, Chris. So for me, games like, you know, The Mind or, um, a, you know, Social Deduction Game where, you know, you're talking to each other constantly and accusing each other and uh, Yard Games, uh, you know, give me that kind of social interaction, you know, Can Jam or lawn darts and things like that like th those are the things that i've really you know gravitated towards more like there's more kind of party-esque social heavy games so basically games that give you time to have conversations that don't have to do with the game and that time doesn't annoy everyone else because you're supposed to be taking this intense 4x turn and now you're talking about what movie you watched last night and that's completely inappropriate and now I have to wait because I want to exactly. plan my turn. I want to go, damn it. Yeah, that's it. And I remember it very well when we were playing, um, oh God, the Legacy Photos game, uh, Pandemic Legacy. Oh, and okay. <laughs> uh, Chris and Kitty got <laughs> kind of upset with me and Spencer because we were just chatting about something that was not related. And they're like, guys, we're trying to strategize here and we're on the verge of losing. Like, take we it seriously. Get your head in the, the game. We are the world. The world is on the line. I know. It's like there is no time for chit chat, guys. Well, Kitty and I were having fun, and I put fun in in air quotes. We were having our kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, trying Absolutely. to discuss whether or not I I don't remember what it was. It was like whether or not we should save this city or not save this city because it was pandemic. So that was what it was. Can we afford to let that city fall? Oh, was this and season two? Because no, I remember was, exactly what that was. No, it wasn't season two. This was season one. And yeah, we, it was. I don't even remember what we debate. did in season one. Oh, I only remember that season two, we like ended season two with an epic fight over whether or not we should let the city fall in season two. And we've never revisited the game because I don't want to say it was all because of those bad feelings, but I'm not sure it wasn't. <laughs> so wait, so are those discussions fun though? Like, were we really having fun or was it like a frustration yeah, was it fun or frustrating? I mean, it's there's something fun about being that passionate about something and being like, no, man, I'm right and you're wrong. I mean, I remember me and Spencer deciding something that you guys were totally against. And then <laughs> the moment that it was proved that we were wrong, because it went badly and it went against us, you guys were so happy to tell us so how smug. wrong we were. I don't know if smug is happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a certain kind of I'm usually happy when I'm being smug. But, yeah, we yeah. were super smug. We had great <laughs> smug faces. It was awesome. I'm glad we could give you Serious that moment. I really am. Yeah. And that's the thing. Serious it's case like, of schadenfreude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as, you know, we're having these discussions and we come to a decision that, like, even if it's not the decision I would have made, I, like, I love traceable decisions <laughs> where it can come back to, like, well, if we hadn't done things this way, if we had done things my way. Everything would have been better. And that, that, those moments are better to me than real winning sometimes. <laughs> so I I like being able to trace back if I had only done this. But I usually take it with a little bit of ration rationalism in there, something. But we're basically saying... If you turn if that into a real world, sure, yep. <laughs> If random events happen between that decision and our end result, then I don't make the decision be like that pivot point. Because yeah. it could have worked... 
it just didn't do to the randomness of things. So yes. it's like, but it, I do think the discussions are fun. I, I mean, there is with certain people, there are certain people where I don't want to have these discussions with it because it really is just way too taxing, way too frustrating. But a healthy discussion of, oh, we should do this versus doing that. I find that quite enjoyable. Hopefully the person I'm having that discussion with also finds it enjoyable. Always. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that some people is like, maybe not. It's like, oh, wait, fine. Just do whatever he says. And then eventually the game will end. So that's not fun. I don't mean to yuck other people's fun. What about you, Kitty? You had some interesting things to say about fun when you first came on. And I don't know that your fun is the same fun anymore. I think my my general ideas are still the same, but I think a lot of the specifics of games I talked about, like so any mechanics I talked about, I feel like I've completely flip-flopped. But the number one thing I said and that I stand by is the fun part about games is playing with people. It's not as much fun for me to play a game solo as it is for me to get around a table with three to, gosh, if we're playing something like Charty Party or Telestrations, 12 people and have that interaction and to like have you know we tell these stories later these are stories we make they're interactions we have that have meaning that you hold on to and the the board game is just the thing that brings people together that creates the experience for the the people to really be the focus of them i would agree i mean yes i like social aspects i don't know that i like huge groups like like charity party with 12 people charity party was fine the more people that got involved the slower each turn got and the more i had less i had fun with it i actually had fun with there was a smaller number so i think i like smaller more intimate groups which is Can very you give different me a quick than, synopsis of charity party i've never heard of that game so charity <laughs> party is it's basically apples to apples or cards against humanity but instead of a question and answer or a fill in the blank it is you have a chart that has an x axis and a line drawn on on that and you're filling in the y axis so you know chances of falling down a stairwell could be well College education was a good one, right? Nothing to graduate student. There'll be a line and it'll dip around, you know, PhD. And then on the y-axis, you might put, you know, the amount of debt you're in or, you know, your social insecurity or whatever, put on the y-axis and try to mix those things together. It's funny. It's, you know, Chris's favorite style, Cards Against Humanity kind of a game. (laughs) Oh, God. yeah. (laughs) But I I do think with six people, it was playing better. And it's true that with 12 people everything gets slowed down. So maybe that is a good point that I guess most of my my best gaming experiences are in the like three to six people range. And it's a small enough group. It's kind of self-limiting in most games, only play up to so many people, but it's still enough people that, you know, I spend a lot of time you know, by myself, isolated, either, you know, with small children or very few adults. And when I get other groups of people together, this, it makes an excuse to get together. It's a reason. And it's also, you know, fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, even back then, I used to play a lot of Werewolf. And that started out with like 15 people. But I found that game to be the most fun once you got to like seven. Once you got into the point where everyone is in participating at the same time, that's when I found that to be like, that was fun. Um, all right, Josh, you at one point said that you did not like 
co-op games. Like fighting against the board to you was not as satisfying as a competitive game where you're competing to win. Has your views on that changed as we played more and more like co-op games and like less super competitive games? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, competitive games can be a double-edged sword. And I see that more now. And I think, you know, you know, me and Ketty talked to, about this in, in many podcasts, but, you know, if you care so much about winning, um, it can be a really painful experience to be that competitive and to, you know, have those crushing losses and uh, to feel like you, you never really had a chance in some games. You know, I know that was one thing we mentioned before as well, like being completely shut out of a game without really having a catch up mechanic. That's, that sucks too. Um, so I, I definitely enjoy co-op games more um, because I, I just like that camaraderie. And I think playing those legacy games together really helped me see that. Um, but also more casual games like the mind, you know, it's like, there's something about it that's really collaborative and kind of gets back to that point I made about like having that interaction. And I think you do get a lot of that social interaction in co-op games because you're forced to like confer with your partners instead of, okay, I've got my little, uh, you know, strategy and how I'm going to win in this very heady strategy game. So, um, I've definitely gone more towards the co-op side of things for sure. Fletcher, what about you? Do you find co-op or competitive games more fun as far as like what you would gravitate to? To be like, let's let's have a good time. Let's go play Pandemic, or hey, let's play Risk, or Game Set Equivalent. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's have a good time. Let's play Risk. <laughs> I don't think that's something anybody has ever said. I've said I, it. You, um, <laughs> you're talking to two of the most like, yeah. Josh and Kitty love Risk. It's their go-to games. Risk, okay, not I as know. much anymore, anyway. but we'll get there. <laughs> um. I probably like competitive games a little bit more. No, I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to say cooperative because most of the games I play usually all the time are cooperative games. The top so I I like two things I hear you talk about are Dungeons and Dragons and Gloomhaven. Yeah. And those are like as cooperative as it gets. Yeah. Well, that's why I backtrack. But like, <laughs> when it comes to like a board game, like I'd rather play Wingspan as opposed to like Pandemic. Or well, it's because it's a better um, game. Yeah. <laughs> well, but no like shade, that style but... of play, because pa- because when I think about like cooperative, like not not like a RPG like Gloomhaven or something like that, but something more of like a traditional style board game like Pandemic or maybe even Mansions of Madness a little bit. Um, I I feel like oh, I'd rather play like um, what's that a Scythe? Yeah. Instead of like Mansions of Madness. See, well, it's hard because I hear some of this, and I'm just like, you know, you're listing a lot of what I consider quality games that are individual games with like not as high quality, in my opinion, games that are competitive. So, like, you know, you, you Mansion- gotta. I guess Mansions of Madness is really like lots of people really love name, it. Name a really high co- cooperative. Um, no, Mansion- you know. Mansions of Madness and Scythe are good comparisons and probably Fair. better than Pandemic. Because. Right. So I would agree that I do not like Pandemic to sit down and play that as a game. I would do it if I'm trying to introduce someone to cooperative games and be like, oh, this isn't competitive, don't worry about it. Because there are a lot of people who don't play games because they don't like to lose and they don't feel like they're quote-unquote good at games. So Pandemic actually works out well for that. But if I'm sitting down and I have a group of four people together, I am more likely to play a competitive game and have fun with it than a cooperative game unless... That cooperative game has an ongoing storyline that we can follow from game to game to game. What I don't like about Pandemic is it resets to the same thing every time. 
And it's just like, it's like playing solitaire over and over and over. Playing pandemic solitaire is totally fine with me. But playing solitaire with three friends and saying, okay, where should we put this card? Where should we put that card? That is not nearly as much fun. I can do that on my own. And I would rather do something different with my friends, unless I'm sharing a story with them. And that's where I really think cooperative, like storytelling slash campaign games really shine. Because that actually creates those memorable moments. And it's like this shared experience that you can all participate in. And that, to me, is really fun. And that was something I was going to add is, you know, something I hadn't even experienced a story-based game, I would say, when we recorded episode four. It was not something that was really on my radar. If I had played one, I hadn't really thought about it that much. But now that we've gone through some of these games like Pandemic Legacy, Betrayal Legacy, even um, Above and Below, Near and Far, some of these more story-based, more campaign-style games that aren't a role-playing game that really, like, kind of drag in this, like, we're telling a story, you're creating these moments together. I That is one of the things that makes games most fun to me, is a story-based game where you are sharing in a story with your friends. Speaking of sharing something with your friends, Josh, do you still play The Mind? I do, yeah. It's a, it's a great one because it's so easy to learn. So, you know, people that uh, I'm... You know, a lot of my social circle are uh, pretty light on the board gaming front. So it's just such an easy one to get going, even with people who who hardly play any games. Um, and so what do you find fun about it? I find that the way that I play it is quite interactive. And I know that the purist would say that there's got to be absolutely no communication and it's all sort of like some sort of intuitive mind meld and you just hope you're putting down the right card. But the way I play it is... Um, you know, there is some communication. You can't convey the exact number you have, but you can do vague communications about where you might be. So if someone's kind of pinching their fingers together to show that they're close, well, that's, that's not giving me the exact number of the card. And there is a lot of back and forth between people, um, when it's close. And there's a lot of like tense looks and like noises of, mm, as in don't put that card <laughs> down. Um, and I, and I love that. These faces so, are great. I wish those could be expressed over a podcast. <laughs> no. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of like that little, that little back and forth between people, but without words, because, you know, we know that, you know, most communication is nonverbal. So that game kind of hones in on that. Um, if you play it with, you know, some communication allowed, which is what my house rules are for that game. So basically you have fun in that game by walking the line of what, is potential maybe quote unquote allowed versus not allowed. It's like how much, how little can we communicate, but still be able to communicate enough to win the game? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, some people will be like, well, you shouldn't, you should hardly do anything, but then they'll still like raise their eyebrows and like their eyes go wide. And it's like, well, well, that's the same as me raising my hand as if to say to the moon, you know, like I'm, I've got this huge card. You're just doing it with your eyes. I'm just doing it with my hand. Okay. Mine's a little more obvious. I just feel like, you know, you might as well have some of that, some of those gestures, some of those back and forth. And I find that works really well. People seem to really like it. And and then it's I become the policeman as well. Like people are trying to like really like cheat and like do these little things for like increments of 10. And I'm like, no, no, you, you've, you've decided this is a 10. Like we're not using that anymore. So. <laughs> well, I also think one of the things about the mind that makes it fun and a lot of other games fall into this as well is when you get it right, it's like it's a miraculous thing. Like, oh my yes. God, I cannot believe we just pulled that off. And yeah. you get to share that with the group. 
And if you get it wrong, it's like the most devastating. Oh, I can't believe that just happened. Oh, we were so close. If I was going to play mine, but, uh, and, but it's a fun way to failing. Like there's just something about that game where win or lose, it's so dramatic in the end. Even yeah, though it's all based on how well you do that, that sort of nonverbal communicating. And it's like, you feel like it was really on you that, that you communicated so well with the other person that, yes, we got it right, even though we were only one card apart. Or, oh, we screwed it up. And that's because, you know, you're always way off with your gestures and you always pretend like you're far away when you're really close. Yeah. Now, Fletcher, you play code names a lot, right? I would say a lot, but I have played it. The, so I recently played code names at a bachelor party. And we had a three versus three. I think I mentioned this before. And I've mentioned in the past that I do not like code names. I think a two, ver- two, two versus two person of code names is about the dullest thing ever. But we were playing three versus three, and it was a bachelor party, so there was other things involved. And that was quite fun. I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay. just saying. That was quite fun. And the reason for the same similar thing is like someone would give a clue. It's like, you know, whatever, three, and you go, this one, this one, this one. And the entire team would be like, oh, my God, we just nailed that. That was, like, perfect. Or if you failed, everyone's just like, oh, man, I can't believe But the other team's all excited. So it's kind of that same feeling, sort of, maybe. But you tell me, because like I said, I've, I've played one game of that and actually enjoyed it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I've never played The Mind, so I don't know if it's the same feeling. Did you order it on Amazon like I told you to? Not yet. But I will. Okay, continue. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, why are you saying no? It's not fun. Kitty. It is what? so much fun. Blasphemy. It's not fun. <laughs> oh, just so we'll get to you fun. in a minute. Um, I don't know. I find code names. I mean, I wouldn't say it's unfun. I've. I think the most I've ever played code names was at your engagement party, Chris. Actually. Okay. Um, and I don't know. I had a good time. It seemed fun. I, I don't know if I'd ever like break it out, like you said, like and do like a two verse two. I feel like the more people you have, the more fun it will be because then you have like more strange, weird guesses and you know things going on. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really compare it to the mind because right. I haven't played it yet. Um, Kitty, uh, just a general note we should note down uh, for our next podcast host. We we need to ask them if they like fun because I'm getting the feeling that. <laughs> Fletcher. Fletcher may not he be the most fun person I know. He was very open about it from the word go. He said he was grumpy cat. Come on, guys. Yeah, he's only... Josh, are you he's looking for a, a full-time podcast gig? Just <laughs> <laughs> a sale, guys. And by full-time, we mean like an hour a week. <laughs> Give or it's take. not really a lot of people's definition of full-time. <laughs> it, the pay is terrible. Um, but speaking... Uh, well, so... You do play a lot of party games, though, right? Like those are your go-to games. So, of party games, like what are what are fun? And it's kind of rhetorical because the funny thing about party games, when you look at them, when you are playing them, and everyone's sitting around laughing, joking, like yet you know that fun is happening. But why? <laughs> like, what makes these things fun? So, <clears throat> I like. So I know you hate this game, but it is kind of like an interesting game. You know what I'm going to say? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> um the oh man it just flew out of my brain what am i talking about cards against okay, humanity we'll start with this yeah cards against humanity so i don't find cards against humanity fun anymore okay and it's because i think the first few times you play it the shock value is just really high and that is what makes it interesting and fun but then once you play the game a number of times and you start seeing like 
the cards over and over again, you're like, okay, this isn't like that fun. It's not fun or interesting anymore. Same thing with like exploding kittens where it's like the, this game is, it's not a fun game. It's the cards and the artwork that like have that bring the value and bring the fun. But once you've like done it a few times, they get like, played right, out. It gets yeah. played out. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why there are that- 700 expansions to it to try to keep it fresh. Yes. Right. Um, the games that I do find more fun, like in a party setting, would be like Sushi Go Party. Like, that is a fun game for like a party setting. It's easy to teach and it's quick and you can play it multiple times and everybody will have fun. Doesn't have like the shock value of Cards Against Humanity or Exploding Kittens or anything like that. But it is a fun, solid game that I would bring out anytime. And it has the illusion of competition with a max on skill. So, like, you can be bad at this game, but you only can be so good at it because it's a drafting game. And eventually, you're not going to get the cards you want to get. Or people are going to catch on to the, oh, if I get, you know, if I go that route, I'm going to gain more points. So, I'm going to steal your strategy and suddenly your strategy is not there anymore. And it's one of those games you can play over and over again. So, I can... I see that. I like that. Do I go, I would say ahead. my favorite kind of party game though is one with the more human element to it. So something like uh monikers or catchphrase or telestrations. I can't remember the other branding of the same kind of game. Put that away. <laughs> <laughs> um for our listeners. You gotta explain what it was. Is it one night werewolf? <laughs> It was Werewolf. Yeah, it was One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Love that. Which is also fun. One Night Werewolf is way different than Are You a Werewolf? And it is quite a bit of fun. I will give it a shot at some point, but I I really enjoy these other games so much. And these are things where, you know, you can get the same word four times in a row playing Telestrations. But if it's a different person getting it, like pulling it the starting time, everyone's drawing skills are so different and everyone's guessing skills are so different. You're going to get different results from the same input, which I I love. And you end up with just these sometimes ridiculous scenarios where we're all looking. I don't even remember where some of these things started, but I always remember like, oh, I do remember I pulled one card. There's it's like um this game Bunny had it at Gen Con. And it was just like telestrations, but the cards were more hilarious prompts. And I had it's a like cannibal a scribble with a f- or something. <laughs> Scrawl? Yeah. Scrawl, yeah. So I had a cannibal at a finger buffet. And that one just turned <laughs> into like a pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> but I drew a really good cannibal. It was pretty great. Um I remember that one, and I just remember Spencer drew, like, a not-safe-for-work ridiculous one that I don't even know what started it. But, it like, everyone drew the exact same not-safe-for-work picture after Spencer messed it up. And it was just – there were some really fun moments in those ones. And the the human element to those party games can be where I think it's fun. And when you're acting something out and in monikers, you know – somebody does something weird for hellhounds at the beginning and then you know at the end somebody just does the like dog paddle and everyone yells hellhounds and it makes absolutely no sense but those those are the moments i always remember yeah i do have to say i like telestrations as far as far as party games are concerned i think that that one is the the one that scales best for me because it doesn't even have to make it all around and everyone's is simultaneously taking turns and at the end 
each person gets to you know, their spotlight to show to step them through, and everyone had a part in each one of those. So I I do You're like illustration. All the steps. <laughs> yeah. As far as party games are concerned, I think that one is one of my favorites. You like catchphrase too. And I do like catchphrase as well. And I find it fun because, again, I think everyone, it feels like everyone's involved. And, you know, Josh, you talked about one, and I should know the name of this already. I, I want to say it's Time's Up is the is the commercial version of it. But where there's a list of words, and at first you can describe it with clues. Yeah, that's categories is the name of that game. Yeah. And, and that one I find tedious, like horrible, like unfun <laughs> on so many Except- levels. <laughs> And for the version, for me, or the app version, which we played on a car ride with you in Sydney, which we all loved because we were all playing together cooperatively against the system or other people. Yeah, I mean, sure, we were all on the same team, but I, when I, I don't know, when I'm playing on different teams, I get so much pressure when I have to like give the clues. And as long as everyone's on the same competitive level, fine. But I had a super competitive person on my team, and. It's like I got two clues and just got ridiculed for it. It's like, I don't know what some of these words mean, like pop culture, proper <laughs> names. I don't know. But yeah. So it's those, trivia those... and word games that really screw you over, Chris. Those are the ones you don't like the most. Uh, anything with a proper name, I just, no. Do not expect me to know that stuff. I just love those moments, though, where somebody comes up with the most creative way. And I've said this one on the podcast before, but it's still my favorite moment when we were playing catchphrase. And my brother looked at Faith Hill and said, a small mountain of believing in something. (laughs) 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 It got it. It, And we still talk about this happened like a decade ago. And it still cracks us up. In our family, you can still say a small mountain of believing in something. And everyone knows you're talking about Faith Hill. Yeah, all right, fine. Sometimes that comes out of it, but for me, I don't get those enough. You have to be in a fun, supportive atmosphere where you can feel like you can say that and everyone will like laugh with you and not at you. Fair. All right, we're going to do some quick questions. So we're just going to go around. Um, and on basically on a scale from not very to very, how important is theme in a game for it to be fun for you, Josh? Like one, like very small, like maybe one. And Fletcher? (laughs) I would say not very important. I mean, I would like to, there's things that I would like gravitate to more, but I would say like not, not very, not very important. Kitty? I think moderately important. I like a good theme. For me, theme is probably way high up there theme will have me keep coming back to a game and it's like fun to go through it fun to open it fun to fun to explore that theme i like that all right okay hold on what do you mean by theme um checkers versus battletech like i mean it just the idea of like okay here's I, if i okay. gave you here's a bunch of numbers and if you roll these dice and get above this number that's going to cause this little bit to go away off the board or now Never you have mind. giant robots okay. fighting each other. I thought you were talking about like specific themes. Not like an IP, not like um it has to be Harry like, Potter or whatever. Like yeah, that's that's what I thought. You were Abstract versus about. Like, theme. No, but more like um tic-tac-toe versus Santorini. Yeah. Right. Or like 
Yahtzee versus anything. <laughs> versus you know, King of Tokyo is probably the best the, these one. These are to terrible games. To. I mean, there's what's it? Century Spice Road is pretty like themeless ish, and what's the other one? Then I would say. Then I would say it's pretty heavy. The, then there's Century Golem Edition. Yeah, that's what you're thinking about, yeah. Josh. Yeah. Then I'll say pretty high for me. Then. All right. Um. Also, yes. So, Kitty, this was one that you mentioned that you really liked, and that was games that had like puzzles or mini puzzles in them how important is that now for, to, for fun like how much how puzzly should a game be versus um uh, i don't know what the opposite of puzzle is maybe random <laughs> random i still heavily prefer solvable over random 100 percent. it is important to me i think that the the more random elements there are the I don't know, because there is a level where, like, if it becomes too, like, pure skill, then you feel bad when you lose. So, like, a little bit of randomness to it. So, I'm putting, like, a seven, maybe. I like a seven level of random versus skill. All right, what about you, Josh? Skill versus random. Yeah, it's a tricky one because, you know, back in the day when we did this, I I said that skill was really high. And I still agree with Kitty that, like, when there's a high level of skill involved, like, the win just feels so good. Like, if I'm playing, like, chess or Homeworlds or this online version of Risk that's called Warlight, if I'm beating other human beings of those, oh, man, the feeling's amazing. But I don't find myself playing those games that much these days because it's a double-edged sword and you can feel terrible. So I would say these days maybe only a six. All right. What about you, Fletcher? Skill versus random, what's more fun for you? Yeah, I'd probably go with Kitty and say like somewhere in the 70% skill <laughs> versus random. Because the thing is, like when you play chess, right? Like that's a 100% skill-based game. There's no randomness in it. But then it's like, is this fun if I'm if if I'm constantly losing? If I just lose all the time. Game? Yeah, because I it just makes you feel bad. I feel bad now. It's like, okay, I don't don't want to invest any any more time in this game because everyone I play is a grandmaster, I guess. So (laughs) I want some randomness in there, um, but not so much that it's just like a roll and move, like to the end of the puzzle first. Um, But a little bit of like randomness in there helps keep things fresh and like gives everyone kind of like more of a fair shot, I would say. And it gives you something to blame the game on if you lose so yeah i would say i might even be more closer to 50 50 skill versus random and i think this is one of the reasons why i really like keyforge obligatory keyforge mention must get in the podcast because there's a random element of what deck you are opening and playing there's a random element to what cards you draw but there's a lot of skill in how you play those cards and how you react to what your opponent's doing i cracked up listening to episode four because even though keyforge was like two and a half years away from existing possibly maybe just two depending on where you date where it exists i felt like everything you described on episode four of what makes a game fun for you keyforge fits that definition which explains why now that it exists it is my favorite game yeah and i was just thinking about that as you talked i was like oh man keyforge it it really (laughs) ticked all the boxes on chris's checklist of what is fun I still, I don't know. If this podcast ever goes away, it's because I'm going to do the Keyforge podcast in its place. So (laughs) we'll see. Um, All right. Let's see. What else do we have on here? Uh, Rule sets. Complicated versus streamlined. Now, this is more of a gimme. Most people don't like complicated rule sets if they can get a streamlined version of the same thing. But the question more is, 
are you more drawn, do you have more fun with a game that is, here's these two rules, go, or a game where it's like, okay, here's this book of rules that you have to figure out and optimize before you even start playing the game. Um, This could be something as simple as like, this is how Yahtzee works. And, oh, you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? Here's the player's handbook. Read it cover to cover. Like, where are you in that as far as like, what is more fun? Um, Let's see. I think we should start with Fletcher this time. Kingdom Death Monster. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I I definitely... So the answer is like two-pronged, right? Like, generally, I like the heavier rule set game. And not just like heavy rule set for heavy rule set's sake, but I am on the Dungeons & Dragons side because I find those games to be more fun in the long run, um, especially if they're like more campaign-y types of games, which they typically are. Um, That's not to say I don't like the easy rule set games, but... In a party setting where you're going to have like random people come over who have never played this game before, they may never play it again. You don't want to sit down and be like, okay, we're going to learn Dungeons and Dragons. I got like like 45 minutes before I got to leave. It's like, great. You can create a character and then go. So it's that's when you break out like the party games. But typically for me, it's the heavier rule set. All right. Stuff. Josh. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to go the other direction. I mean, it's weird because I literally can sit down and play anything. And we've definitely played like 4X games for like six hours and I've had a good time. But really, at the end of the day, I love that casual game and I love the accessibility. And I love being able to like just have a group of people that don't even really play games that often and be able to teach them something in literally just a few minutes. Um, something like Sushi Go or something like The Mind. I love those games. So, and, and even just in, in life in general, I, I find rules stifling and it's definitely a personality thing where, you know, recently Gloria took me to this event and it was called Dinner on Blanc and it was very elegant and, but there were so many rules to it. And it was like, you have to wear everything completely white. Can't be cream. Can't be eggshell. You have to turn up with the right size table, the right kind of napkin, the right kind of silverware. And it was like, it's too many rules, man. Like everyone just chill out. So <laughs> for me, absolutely not. No, the, the fewer rules, the better. Kitty. I would say I enjoy a moderate amount of rules. I, I mean, I play Dungeons and Dragons, so there's that. I'm willing to get into a heavier rule set if it's something I really enjoy, but I don't like rules for the sake of rules. I think I've learned how to navigate learning games a lot better as this podcast has gone on. I've learned a lot more about, you know, go watch a video or whatever it is that is easier for me to pick up harder rule sets, which I didn't do at the beginning of this. But I, I'd say like a middle of the road heaviness of game is where I am happiest. See, I think this is the one that I've changed on the most over the last few years. Because when we first started doing this, I owned a lot more games than I played. I just didn't have time. Well, I didn't have the people to play the games with. So I would buy games just to read the rule book. And that was entertaining to me. I would browse through the rule book and that was awesome. When I actually had to start playing those games had to because you know you have to do those things um i had to read the rules to learn how to play the game and i found that the things that i found interesting about complex rule sets became the things i found tedious about them very quickly it's cool to see all these different ways that people approach things but when you have to put them all together and they start having to work together and you spend most of your time in the first game just looking up like interactions it becomes exhausting to the point where it's no longer fun. And now what I really want, I I will invest in some games 
that have complicated rule sets. You know, I, I've talked about it before, Arkham Horror Living Card Game, very complicated rule sets. And But once you learn the rules, it's like, okay, I got this. This is this is fine. But getting into that game was a huge hurdle. It's harder than Dungeons & Dragons. It is. Because like with Dungeons and Dragons, significant portion for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Dungeons and Dragons, someone knows how to play the game, and the rest of you don't have to learn all the rules. Also, a you lot just, of times, you know, you can go and find these resources online for these games, and I'm sure it's true for Arkham Horror. But Dungeons and Dragons, you go to D and D Beyond, you can it'll just like walk you through character creation, and you can go sit down at a table, and you're good, and you'll learn your character as you level. It's not hard. Yep. So. I'm, Arkham Horror, I'm you need so much setup. <laughs> yep. But now that I know it, I know it, and it's one of my favorite games. But new games, I tend to want the stuff that's simpler. I want to open up a box and be able to have it set up and played in like 15 minutes. I'm really, really looking forward to Tapestry, um, which is Jamie, Sto- Jamie Stagmeyer's <laughs> new game from Stonemeyer Games. And he says this game is somewhere between Scythe and Wingspan and Complexity, but it has four pages of rules. And to me, that sounds fascinating because it is one of the things in board games that we've been trying, and I, I use that as a industry plural. But in video games, it used to be back in the 80s and 90s when you got bought a video game, there was an instruction book with it. And you had to read that instruction book to be able to play the game. We're with that with board games right now. Like there's an instruction book with it and you have to read that. What we're trying to do is figure out a way that you can learn a board game in the same way that you can learn a video game. Like a tutorial. And that is, yeah, incrementally give you the information when you need it type of thing. And I'm interested to see how Tapestry does this because Jamie does great games. And this is a two hour civ building game with four pages of rules. And that to me is kind of fascinating. I think this really plays into your Keyforge thing too. It doesn't have that many rules. Everything you need is printed on the card that changes the rules that you know for the rest of the game. And you can teach it in 10, 15 minutes, play through a quick game, and then you still want to play it, you know, weeks, months, whatever later, because the different cards you have in each deck and part of the collecting aspect of it, it it changes the rules every time you play just a little bit, but it's all right there in front of you. Yep. And on the competitive scene, you need to know how cards interact with each other and different rulies and stuff, but those things are introduced as you get deeper into the game. So it yeah, doesn't you feel don't like this huge that. barrier. Yep. Keyforge has, when you buy the starter set, it is a four-page starter set of rules. And I think the first page is just kind of a picture. So it's like three pages, here's how you play, go. I think there's a if you want the full lines, there go too. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if you want the full real rules, go online. And those are much bigger. But for the most part, you can start playing that game with a couple pages of introduction. All right. Any other thoughts on fun? Well, I mean, you often found it fun being, I feel like you enjoy the fact that you're the guy that knows the most and you get to teach us all. I, I think you like quite like that teacher role, don't you? Um, Sometimes. Like, <laughs> I like when people like asking me questions and I'm able to answer those questions. Right. But I don't know, I don't know if I find that fun or if I just, I like teaching people things and I like being able to answer people's questions. So it's it's an enjoyable thing for me to be able to be the answer to that. But I wouldn't say that that's why I, I play board games. I don't play board games so that I know more than anyone else about board games. That's no, why I do the podcast. Not. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, because I there was a bachelor party for, with a friend of mine, and they, they were all nerdy guys, and they hadn't played Keyforge, and they bought a big bunch of decks. So I became that guy for the day, and I'm not normally in that position. And so I could finally see kind of what you get out of that, because everyone was coming to me and being like, oh, you know, Josh, how do you do this? How do you do that? And it was it was kind of nice to be useful and to help other people out. And you're like, wow, I'm really, <laughs> really needed right now. This is great. Yeah, well, it's a cool feeling. And a lot of times I will just like... I had a Keyforge tournament uh, that, you know, Tim uh, from the Gift of Games, like I won as one of his holiday party things. And I administered the tournament as opposed to playing in it. He's like, no, 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 I will do the, no, 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 I want to administer it. I want to be the one that's able to help. Because at that point, I would, had played the game a lot more than anyone else. I was just trying to get my friends into it. So I didn't feel like beating my friends was going to be more fun than teaching my friends how to play this cool game that I like. It right. wasn't just because you didn't want me and Doug to beat you. That was not it. I, mm. I my deck would have been just would have destroyed you. Can't prove it. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we never mentioned. Okay, so oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so last week we had our Gen Con live episode. We did it on a Friday, and then the following day. So this was fun. This is related to fun. Um, this has to do with the Keyforge tournament. Yeah, tangentially <laughs> of the next day of Gen Con. So Saturday. And we had our team t-shirts because we thought it would be fun to be part of a team and stuff. And one of the things we found that was cool, being part of a tournament scene where there were like seven or eight of us wearing these team t-shirts, is we would all check in with each other. How'd you do? Did you win or lose? And I no didn't actually wh- wear my t-shirt. You did not. This is why you lost so quickly. No, I lost so bad on Thursday wearing the t-shirt that I refused to wear it because it was bad luck. <laughs> Well, I wore a different of exact same t-shirt on, on Saturday. But in any case, it was fun to <laughs> compete with your team, win or lose. So even though people were getting knocked out or not winning, it's like when someone else won, it felt like you were all winning because you were part of the same team. Now, I happened to go to tap eight. So I I did very well. And I in every single game I sat down in, I was like, my nerves were on edge. You have you to get like- five... So crazy that whole day. <laughs> yeah. You had to get five out of six games. So you had to have a five and one record to make it to day two. And so four and four. No, I sat down to play my fifth game. And this guy was good. Like he he was also four. No, hadn't lost anything. Part of another team. Really nice guy, too. We, we've seen him around a couple other tournaments. And I beat him just barely. And I'm like, oh, five and one. And then I played my, or five and oh. And then I played my next game and I lost just barely. And there was, it was a mistake I made at the very last turn. And, but I'm like, okay, five and one. But then I'm like, oh man, I really wish I would have won that. So anyway, came back the next day, won two games. Um, and then lost to the winner of the entire tournament by one card. He happened to have the one card he needed in hand. And that, I hate that feeling. <laughs> uh, he was such a nice guy, though. He wasn't part of yeah. any team that was buying decks. He opened his deck. He um, he's a guy from Atlanta who doesn't even have a local store to play at. So I'm like, you know, dude, you're you're really cool. Congratulations, and hope you win the whole thing, so I don't have to feel bad about it. And he did. So good on him. But that was fun, and I think it. You can do a lot of things where even if you're not good at something, if you're part of a team and your teammates are doing well, you can have fun with those teammates. Yeah, because I didn't do well, but I still had a great time. I and then you left the next day, and we didn't even see you. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was having a rough morning. I had a lot of fun at the Glass Cannon live show. I actually ducked out of the tournament earlier. I only played 
five out of my six games because we had to go to the Glass Cannon live show, but it was totally worth it. Very fun. Really enjoyed it. What? Um, speaking of ducking out early, so there's a reason to keep playing Keyforge because every time you win, you get um, Amber Shards. And Amber Shards that you win during a Vault Tour all get added up together. So Sydney and I have gone to four tours now, and it just so happened that really? my... Uh, yeah, because we went to um, Adepticon, Columbus, and then Gen Con counts as two. Oh, Gen Con. Oh, well, then I've been to three. Yes. Um, but I would say we, we played en- in three Vault Tour events. <laughs> yes. and But we ended up in the in the top 100. She is ranked number 32, and I am ranked number 33, completely by coincidence, because <laughs> we performed differently in every single one of them. So that was really cool. All right. We have a couple quick questions, and then we will wrap this up. Um, Let's see. Actually, I'm... I'm 216. 216. In case you were wondering. (laughs) On the Vault Tour list, yep. Yeah. And it's it's a little rigged because it's really whoever can be in the most Vault Tours is going to get the most shards. But uh, it's still kind of neat. All right. John Thomas asks, he says, I'm a big fan of the podcast. My wife and I love Res Arcana, but I've heard people complain about its mechanisms. Specifically, the low number of cards available to each player in a game. Having any... Have any of you tried this new game from Tom Lehman, who is also the designer of, um, uh, why is it the name escaping me? Uh, the Galaxy One, the, um, oh my God, it'll come to me in a second. Everyone's screaming at me right now what it is. He's like, if so, what are your thoughts on the low card count versus how most card games give you more options with card play? Have you guys played Res Arcana? Nope. I haven't. No. Um, have you played, why did you do Race for the Galaxy? That was this other game. <laughs> that no. you talked about on episode no. four? I, um, you oh, did. I might have talked about that. You yeah. did. I just listened to it. <laughs> Bringing it all around. Um, all right. So, John, I'm going to answer this question for you. I love Res Arcana. The number of quantity of cards is a problem for replayability, but I find that you can probably play several dozen games before the card combinations kind of get routine and you know what you want to draft. Um, my bigger complaint with Res Arcana is the take that for no necessary reason. It felt like um, Lehman was just trying to put some more take that in there as versus um, Race for the Galaxy, which doesn't have a whole lot. But you can remove those cards, but if you do, then you've removed a big set of those. However, Res Arcana, I think, is going to have a number of expansions, and that problem should be solved. If anyone has not played Res Arcana, but want this, like, it's like sort of a fantasy deck draft you draft a a small deck and then you build an engine in front of you and you're trying to get a certain number of points to win the game it's really really good very fast it's easy to easy to learn easy to pick up but it's like a thinky game um it's worth playing but i agree with john this game needs expansions and it needs them very quickly otherwise it's just going to fade off and there's going to be nothing nothing to it because it really needs more cards to start with so john yes i agree with you it needs more cards all right, this other one's for all of us. Connor mm-hmm. McKennis, does that seem right? Sure. It's his first email sure. that he ever wrote. So um, I'm, I'm assuming his, never, his name has never been out there before, so I'm not supposed to be able to pronounce it. Yep, but. we've never heard this name <laughs> ever before in our lives. Okay. He says, what is the oddest or most unreasonable argument that has ever come up in your game group? This is sort of the antithesis of fun. Um, for me, there have been heated arguments over who gets what color of a certain meeple. So that one we we don't actually have an argument with. We all know our colors and we just grab those colors if they're available. You know, like, but that was all a coincidence. Like, 
because you have always been blue. Spencer always plays green. Spencer's kind of a catch-all. He'll take anything. Which he is will. My, yeah. Mine's green. I'll yeah. always take green. You did Josh green was, a lot. Yeah. Spencer yeah. will play red a lot of times, too. I yeah, always yeah. like a I neutral color. I green, but then I typically don't care if someone's really passionate about green. I'm like, fine, I'll be black or yellow or I don't care. I thought Sydney loved purple, and then I and then she told me that I was like, well, actually, I prefer yellow. I'm like, oh, because nobody likes yellow. So, yeah, here, you, you be yellow. <laughs> nobody likes yellow. Here we go. <laughs> I usually play black or white. Like a so neutral, that does, clean look. So that does not voice. answer his question, though. All right. So most oddest or most unreasonable argument. It feels I remember like we've getting had... really heated about that, whether or not, I believe it was Paris, that we were going to save or destroy. And like Josh and Spencer just like checked out and me and Chris had a really heated argument about Paris. And really, you were just trying yeah. to recruit us onto each side. You were just like, look, I know you guys don't care when you're talking about the game that happened last night, but like, you know, weigh in one way or the other whether Paris is getting saved or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh, what about you? Have you ever had like, and photosynthesis doesn't count because we didn't Oh my God, that. that was the one oh, I was going to bring up. And of course, <laughs> oh, Josh, you take too long. You know what? Some people just take longer, and that's the most enjoyable part of the game for me. How unreasonable of both of you to have a go at me. I'm just, I'm just saying. Set if, a timer. <laughs> like, yeah. Three of our best episodes we've ever done was at the January episodes of yeah. last year, twenty-eight January of 2018. Um, so go back and listen to those. We did analysis paralysis, um, flipping the table, and I think stop buying games or something like that it was it was deep psychoanalysis on on our like worst (laughs) aspects as gamers and you know mine was definitely analysis paralysis and it was very like sort of sitting on like almost a psychologist couch and like really going deep into our psyche um i think you need to do one for fletcher as well find out fletcher's achilles heel and game gaming and trace it back to his past (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, maybe that's our next episode deep thoughts with fletcher I'm listening. Nah, I got to get a better, better title than that. But anyway, can you think of anything like an argument that you've had with Gloria or like about games? Oh, you've got to have something about Scrabble or word games. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the thing with me and, and Gloria with the Spr- Scrabble and word games, because she's so good and she'll just stomp all over me. And I, and I've not re- I don't play with her that often anymore because she just destroys me in these games. She knows all the two letter words in Scrabble. And, um, and so I basically was like wanted to put down a two letter word um, that would also make like a four letter word in the other direction. And I was like, is this a two letter word? And I knew that she knew them all. And she was like, no, I'm not going to tell you. You've just got to risk it. And I'm like, hang on a sec. You play this game day in, day out with so many people online and you play words with friends. And that lets you like experiment and see if it is a word or not. And you also have the internet at your disposal. And you're saying at this moment in time, you're not going to tell me what the two letter word is. Oh, I was so upset. That's a good one. Like, yeah. that's a really good one because it's like, it, you are right 100%. You, you're like, you are, you're, you're banking on knowledge that I don't have, that I could have. And if I did, then, you know, we could compete on this at the same level, but you don't want to compete at the same level. You don't want this to be a competition. You just want to know more than I do. Oh, yeah. And, and the funny thing about it was, and I said this at one point, I was like, look, you know, you're going to win. You're already in the lead and you know, you're <laughs> going to crush me. So just give me this for this one moment. <laughs> Yep, I like that one. Fletcher, what about you? You know, I don't I'm trying to think in my head and I I can't think of anything that comes to mind like that. I, I stay away from word games because I'm a terrible speller and I'm just going to make a fool of myself. 
Um, but I can't think of a time where someone or I got irrationally upset over something dumb. I'm sure it's happened, but I can't think of a specific instance. Did, did any of you ever play miniature games? I feel like that might be right for that sort of thing. Yeah, no, kind of. Not really. And then, yeah, because the measuring is like, no, 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 that's a half inch that's, away. No, that's that's totally, that's, that's totally yeah, within yeah. range. Yeah, no, that was it. I, I, me and my friend almost like lost our friendship over playing a miniatures game, and that was like the day I stopped ever playing miniatures. It was like we're arguing over one inch. Like, let's what this is not worth it. <laughs> All the time, Josh killed me in Blood Rage. Um, oh yeah. yeah. But that wasn't really was an bad. argument. And the second time he killed you... It was definitely unreasonable. <laughs> you were On unreasonable. On my part, I was yes. unreasonable, yes. <laughs> well, and the second time that you set yourself up for it again... I did it. I, I just, did it to myself. It was awful. I could look in Josh's face and he's like, I don't know if I want to do this because she's going to get mad again. Oh, but man. And it's I, the and only Kitty's move that makes sense. Bad. Yeah, I think Let's that's see. why Fletcher doesn't have a good story yet is he just hasn't gamed <laughs> me enough <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in a wide variety of games let's see unreasonable i don't know see i don't really have unreasonable arguments um because mostly you do is reasonable everything i do is reasonable everything. but mostly like if i'm playing a game it doesn't matter as much to me as long as everyone else is having fun so i will give in to people Ooh, whenever no, i can no, unless it's me. one person <laughs> yeah but not just you unless the, the other woman in his life Sydney, and we were playing, what was it, Mansions of Madness or what, something like that? Mansions and of Madness. Yeah. You, do you remember the incident I'm talking about? <laughs> okay, fine. All Is right. This with so, Jen? Here's, so here's the unreasonable <laughs> yes. argument. Um, <laughs> let's see. Sydney, Jen, me, and, and I think you were. Josh yeah, was there, was obviously, because he Josh remembers was there, it. Yeah. Yep. And I was not. There was I just a, heard about it. <laughs> yeah, there was a monster that came into one of the rooms, and Sydney's like, oh, I, sh- I should run from this monster. I'm like, no, you have to deal with it because if you run, you- it's just going to keep chasing you. Just you have three turns or three actions, just turn and shoot it and kill it. She's like, no, 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 I have to run. I have to run. Like, you have a shotgun. Just kill the thing. No, there, I can't do that. I need to run. So then she ran, and I'm pretty sure at the end, like, she should have killed it because it ended up being a bad a problem that persisted but it was one of those things where i was very passionate like this is obviously the clear correct choice why aren't you taking it and it was very awkward it was just like (laughs) it was just escalating and like voices were being raised and like everyone else around the table was just kind of like cringing away and being like oh no let's make it stop make it stop but they're so comfortable (laughs) with each other i blocked those things out of my mind but i will say the people that are closest to me i am more likely to have like strategy arguments with especially in a co-op game if i'm playing with strangers i'm much less likely to have this i'm more like i've really only seen it happen between me and you and sydney and you yeah and me and sydney never do it to each other (laughs) no 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 you guys are very nice to each other um we're just mean to you (laughs) (laughs) but all right connor that was a it was a fun question um yeah, I think you, you're not having fun if you can't have heated arguments with your family, to be honest. <laughs> so let's see. Um, Josh, thank you for joining us. Of course. And Always happy to. We have to get you back here more often. I know, yeah. what was it, eight months ago, we said we're going to do more of these revisited episodes, <laughs> and this is the first one we've done. So hey, now that we've worked out the time. technical issues. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're still working out a few more technical issues. We'll get there. But we are... Uh, we need to have you come back a bit more often. And let's see, Gamehole Con is coming up end of October. Um, Kitty's going to be there with me, right? As far as I know. I don't know oh. if the rest of my entourage will be present, but I think I should be. All right. Um, Fletcher, you already know. 
I already know because it's either it's my birthday and or a wedding. It's going to be happening depending on what weekend in October it falls in. It's Halloween weekend. It's your birthday, I think. Yeah. It's my birthday. Well, you can celebrate my birthday, but I'm going to be at a wedding. Fine. (laughs) We will do that. Um, But in any case, that is our next con. And I think that's probably our last con. Although Sydney and I are talking about going to PAX Unplugged. Um, So we'll see. We heard that there might be a vault tour there that hasn't yet been announced. So we're like, let's book our tickets. Follow those vault tours. Yep. We're going to bump ourselves up on that list um but in any case if you want to follow the podcast you can follow us on facebook at tabletop game talk podcast twitter is tabletop game tlk kitty is lawful good mom fletcher is net fletch josh is josh is blonde is that still your twitter handle yep you got it <laughs> and i am game master chris um leave us a review on itunes and help us out on patreon remember you can listen to a behind the scenes dice tower news episode <laughs> with 10 <laughs> bonus minutes of content that you'll not hear any place else and it's mostly us just repeating the content that was already on the air, but still Onk? entertaining. Onk. 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 Truvon. Truvang. 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 <laughs> the Chicago way to say Truvang. Truvang. I mean, it's spelled Truvang, but I heard it pronounced Truvon. So. People from Chicago always say the A. A. <laughs> All right, Kitty, you're next. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Exactly. Adam Harrison, the SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael O, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Stefan, I'm living my best life as a British expat in Melbourne, Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willett, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Flesher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Swartzel, Anne Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate, Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Silander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Timmer Vernig, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Emil Jewel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzer, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verhulst, Christopher Lecco, <laughs> John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, N- Ron Nelson, and Neil McLaughlin. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So, Josh, we have... I'm, I'm really hoping your audio file works well because there are per- certain per- portions where we just assume you were saying some things that were interesting. <laughs> That's what the Dice Tower News sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Chris, where you just can't fix that audio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny.